Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Navy captain was on a ship. It was a very powerful ship. Um, and it was dark at night. And the Navy captain, it was an amazing thing. The Navy captain comes up on board and he sees a light. He sees another ship coming at him. And he goes and he, and he, talks, uh, he talks to the, uh, uh, to, the to, to the main deck and says, hey, listen, um, you guys see that? Yeah, yeah, we've seen it. What are you guys going to do about it? And he said, well, he said, we've tried to talk to him a little bit, but there's really no response. And so he said, give me that thing. And he says, this is the Navy captain of the United States of America on one of the most powerful vessels in the world. We are headed directly towards you. Turn south. Five minutes later, this comes back. You need to turn north or we will collide head on. Angry, he says, this is a Navy vessel headed directly towards you. Turn south or face the consequences. And the voice comes back on and says, this is a lighthouse. Turn north or you face the consequences. It's an amazing thing. We went up to, um, to Maine last summer. It was an incredible trip. We got to go to Maine with all my family. And when we went up to Maine, we got to go and visit these incredible lighthouses. And I want to tell you something. You cannot, like the postcards you see or the Kincaid pictures and all that stuff, none of that stuff does those, that, that, it does, you, can't, you cannot capture the beauty. You can't do it. You cannot capture the beauty of the water and the rocks and the lighthouse. What were they there for? Well, they were there to keep them away from danger. They were there to warn them. What were they? Let me tell you what they were. They were a guide is what they were. They were a guide in order for the ships and the boats not to crash. That's exactly what they were. It's an amazing thing because a lot of times, just like those people, just like the captain on the ship, just like all the people on the ship that think they're so powerful and they got everything in control, just like those people, oftentimes we, what we do is, is we actually feel that way about our own lives. We do. And there's nothing to guide us. We have no guiding principle. We have nothing to guide us and direct us the way we should go. But I want to tell you something. All of us, hear this, all of us need something that guides and directs us. And hear this too. You have something that guides and directs you whether you've chosen it or not. It does guide and it does direct you. We are talking this summer about becoming equipped 
I've shared this with you before, and I'll share it again. One of the most frustrating things as a pastor for me is to, is to um, try and disciple and try and encourage and try and uh, help to educate you about the text of the scriptures. It is. A lot of you guys have a strong desire to live the Jesus-centered life. You do. You want to live. A, you wouldn't be here. It is beautiful outside. For the first time, you know, I felt more like Noah in the last month and a half. It has rained every day. I didn't know whether, to, you know, to, to turn my wipers on or build an ark. I really didn't. I have felt so much like that. And it is beautiful out today, and it's supposed to be beautiful all day. Now, I said that, and it'll be pouring down rain when we leave, but it is beautiful out today, and you chose to come here in this facility and listen. So you have a desire, unless your mom beat you and made you come here, you have a desire, you have a desire to live a Jesus-centered life because you've decided, you've decided that what you know about Jesus and his actions and his behaviors what you know about that, you think that that is the truth and the way and the life, and you think that that's the best way to live, and so you've chosen that. But here's the problem. You have to be intentional in order to live the Jesus-centered life. I want you to hear that. You have to be, if you're taking notes, write that down. You have to be intentional in order to live the Jesus-centered life. And so we are going to go through various things, various steps. These messages are going to be a little different than I usually do because at the end of every message, I'm going to give you practical steps. I even have, look at this. You know, I have it right here. Let me get it out. I have my pointer, my laser pointer. Is it up there? Look at there. There's my laser pointer. This is for the practical steps. I have my laser pointer. I'm going to give you practical steps in order to begin the process of forming your life to live the Jesus-centered life. Not the me-centered life. Not the work-centered life. The Jesus-centered life. In Psalm 119, 105, the scripture says this. It says, your word is a lamp. Okay, so it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. In Psalm, um, let, let, me, let me hold on to that. In Psalm 119, 105, the word says that, that the word, the Bible, is a path and it guides us. Now, what you may not know about that is this. You may think, oh, yeah, we read that. Oh, the word is a lamp and a guide to my, you know, to my feet. That's great. And what you're thinking of is you're thinking of a big old huge spotlight. And it's lighting the whole way, man. It's lighting the whole thing up. The whole thing is just lit up. Well, that's not what it was. You know what it was? It was a little bitty lamp. You took the lamp, and the lamp, you would carry it to the side, and the lamp would light just enough of your feet so that the person behind you could see. He couldn't see what was 10 years ahead, couldn't see what was five feet ahead. He could only see your feet. And so he would have to follow and follow your feet. Now, the places they traveled were very dangerous. They were very dangerous, and so they could fall off the path. They could hurt themselves. They could, all those kind of things, fall in the ditches, they would have to follow like that. The, the scripture says that the word of God, the Bible, is a lamp and a guide to our feet so that we will have something to guide our lives. And so the first thing we're going to talk about today in the Equip series is the Bible itself. We're going to talk about the Bible itself. 
there's a pastor that tells the story. <clears throat> he was, he was going to go speak at this breakfast. And so he had gotten the directions. He had never been there. It was way back before GPS, and he had typed out, he had gotten the directions, looked at, typed out the directions, and laid them on the side of the seat. He's looking at the directions, kind of. He's kind of looking at them, and he's driving, and all of a sudden he sees, oh, I know the exit, I know where that is. And he pulls off the exit, and he comes up, and he goes to the right, and he starts driving. And by this time, it's 7 o'clock, he's supposed to be there at 7.30, and he keeps driving. And he's like, gosh, I know there's directions. And he looks. And so he decides, listen, I need to stop and ask somebody. These directions are wrong. I need to ask somebody. And so he pulls over and he says, hey, listen, I'm looking for this church. And the person goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What you want to do is, is when you leave out of here, you want to keep going straight down this road. You just hadn't gone far enough. You, you haven't gone far enough. You hadn't, you hadn't gotten there yet. Okay. So how, how much longer? Oh, it's about 250 minutes down the road. Oh, oh, oh okay. That's not really what the map says. Okay. He gets in. Keeps driving, and man, by this time, he's seeing cows. I mean, he's supposed to be in the city. He's seeing cows and, I mean, like barns everywhere, and he's going, something's not right. So he pulls over. He says, hey, listen, you have any idea uh, where this place is? And the person looks at him and says, uh, I have never heard of that place in my whole life. He said, buddy, you were lost. The pastor goes and takes the directions out. And start slowly reading the directions, taking in every line. Okay, I did that. I did that. And then it hit him in bold letters. When he got off the exit, it clearly says, turn left. What does he do? He turned right. And it's amazing because he stopped and asked person after person. And everyone had a different answer of how he needs to get back on the path. Oh, what you need to do is you need to take this turn and that turn. Oh, no, let me tell you how to get there. And that's exactly the same thing we do with our own lives. We do that with our own lives. Instead of to go to the one that created us and instead of to go to where we know the answer lies, we want to ask everyone else. We want to go... We want to watch Dr. Phil. <laughs> we want to read self-help books. We want to do all these things. And those things in and of themselves are not bad, but the true source, where your answer lies, the true direction lies in following what the text says. That's what it is. That's what happens. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, and I love this. It says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. There's a path. We all have this path in front of us, and we're like, oh, yeah, that's the right way to go. That's the right way to go. And I want you to know something. If it doesn't line up, if that path doesn't line up with the text of the Scriptures, and this is not very popular to say these days, okay? If that doesn't line up with the text of the Scriptures, that path that you want to take, if it doesn't line up with the text of the Scriptures, the Bible says in Proverbs that it leads to death. I want you to hear that. It leads to death. It leads from separation from God. And so no matter what someone has told you, if you're taking that path and it's pulling you further and further away from God, eventually that path's going to lead to death. And so to live the Jesus-centered life, we have to be focused on what the text of the Scripture says. Let me tell you a little bit about the Bible. The first thing I want you to know is this. Reading and understanding God's Word 
is where the Jesus-centered life begins, okay? I want you to hear that. Now, that sounds so boring. You were hoping you were going to have a feel-good message and that I was going to get up here for about 20 minutes and tell you how to live your life, and I am going to help you with that. But here's the truth of the matter. I have to start where the foundation is, and here's the foundation. Reading and understanding God's Word is where our Jesus-centered life begins. It is where the Jesus-centered life begins. Whenever I was little, I went to kindergarten, and when I went to kindergarten, well, here's what they said. I went to kindergarten and they said, hey, listen, here's what you need to do. Um, You need you need to to start working on these mathematics. okay?" and they said one plus one is. Two. Twelve of you pass kindergarten, I see. Um, So and then they they had these flashcards and they were like two plus two is I'd go. No, no, don't use your fingers. Four? Yeah, all right, you got it right, it's four. That's what happened. And then you know what happened in about seventh grade? Someone changed and made math have letters. At the point where math got letters, I was out. Out. What were they doing when I was in kindergarten? I did the same thing. I said, okay. And I always told you, I always had a list. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, No, no, I started again. A, B, C, D. And I would go on and on and on and on. Now, I, I didn't come in and they said, hello, Mr. Williams. You're six years old. We'd like for you to write this document. Here, write a four-page paper. Here you go. I didn't do that. Why didn't I do that? Well, because I didn't have the foundation. I didn't have the foundation. I didn't have any foundation at all. Did you know what most of us are doing? Most of us are trying to fake this spiritual life and try to answer these deeper questions in life, and you have zero foundation, and you look like a kindergartner trying to do trigonometry. And that's how you feel because you start going through the process and you get frustrated, and then you just quit. But here's the, here's the truth. You have to have the foundations. And I want you to know this truth here, too. Everything flows from the foundation of the scriptures. Everything flows from the foundation of the scriptures. We always try to make the Bible this mystical thing. I get to use my Bible. I get to use my pointer in a second. We always try to make the Bible this mystical thing, but I want you to know something. It's not a mystical thing. It's not. It's not at all. You can understand it. As a matter of fact, there's never in, in there's never in life been more tools to help you understand the scriptures. There are there's never been more tools to help you understand the scriptures. And listen, overall, the Bible is a redemption story. It is a redemption story. I want you to know something. The Bible is not necessarily a history book. I want you to know a lot of us try to make it a history book. Us, I'm a I'm a political nerd wonk. I love history. I taught history. But we try to make the Bible a history book. Yes, there's aspects of it as history. It tells the history, but the reason for the history is all about redemption. The Bible is a book about redemption. Here's something else the Bible's not. The Bible is not a science book, okay? I'm not going to sit here and argue facts with someone who tries to make the Bible a science book because it's not a science book. There's science in it just like there's history in it. But it's not a science book. And so I want you to perk your ears up real quick. 
I have never, I want to tell you, the reason I'm doing this sermon today is because whenever I grew up, I've been going to church for almost 30 years. I've never heard a sermon like this ever. And I thought, well, gosh, man, somebody's got to say it. So I might as well say it. I've never heard a sermon like this. But if the Bible is the foundation, you need to know a little bit about the Bible. And so I want to walk through briefly about two or three, four minutes and tell you about that. And I'm going to ask Lynn to bring up the slide, the first slide here. Listen, here is the Bible. All right. Now, the Bible starts here with Genesis. It's in the beginning. Okay. It's in the beginning. Here's here's Genesis. It's the first the first 11 books of the Bible all deal with the creation story and how we were created. That's what it deals with. We see various things that happen. You guys probably know Adam and Eve. And so Genesis is, is the, and it literally means the beginning. There's a creation. It goes right on through. There's Cain killing Abel. All right. There's Noah. There's the ark. All right. Tower of Babel. And then right here at chapter 12, things change. Okay. In the Bible, in Genesis chapter 12, things change. Because God, like I said, it's a redemption story. God said, listen, I need to have a group of people that will bring forth the Messiah. I need to have a group of people that will be my people. They're chosen people. The reason they're chosen is because they're chosen to bring forth the Messiah for what? For redemption. What do we need redemption for? Because of Adam and Eve here. Because they they sinned, they failed, they were separated from God. And so what you have here between the book, uh, chapter 12 in Genesis, that goes all the way out to the end until finally at the end of the book we see them we see them in captivity, uh, becoming, becoming slaves in Israel uh, because of a famine that happened and so on and so forth. But listen, the book of Genesis, basically just the first 11 chapters is about creation and things that happened. And then all of a sudden, chapter 12 starts with Abraham and it goes all the way to the end of the book, telling the history about them. Well, then you come over and you have Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, Genesis and those, those four, they actually make up uh, what's, what's called the book of the law or the Torah, the Pentateuch. That's what, that's what they're made up as. And so the first five books of your Bible are basically saying, hey, this is what happened. This is what occurred. This is how we got our laws. This is how we got all the, the history. From now until, until, from then until now, this is what we have. This is where we, where we are. And for a long time, this is all they kind of had. This is all they had. So then we start with Joshua. Now Joshua goes into the promised land. And so from the first fu- for the first five books, they are, they are wanting to go into the promised land. There's an incredible dramatic scene at the end of Deuteronomy where, where Moses comes up and Moses has brought him out. And Moses comes up and he looks over to the promised land, but he did not go in because of his sin. He did not, could not go in because he was disobedient. But he looked over. God chose someone else. He chose Joshua. And so Joshua is, is where they go into the promised land and start taking the land that God had for them. We go on to Judges, and Judges is where God was the leader. He would appoint these judges that would be made up, and that's what the book of Judges was for. We then go on through, and we see some historical books. First, Second Samuel, First Kings, that's where you're going to find David. Those three kings right there, that's where you're going to find King Saul, King David, and King Solomon. And then something amazing happens. Right there, there's a split in the kingdom. And so they've taken the land. There's a split in the kingdom. And you have the northern and you have the southern kingdom. And from that point on, that split uh, is maintained. That's where you get the book of Job. I do disagree with that, by the way. I think the book of Job was over in the judges area, but that's just, that's just my, my opinion. But you have the book of Joel, Jonah, Hosea, Micah. Those are all prophets that are speaking to these people saying, listen, You don't need to be divided. You need to be one. But they could not get along, and so they divided. Ten at the top, two at the bottom. All right? Israel at the top, Judah at the bottom. And so then, because of their disobedience, because they wouldn't wouldn't come together, 
We see here that Assyria, Babylon, and Persia, and we just got through going through this whenever we went through the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, they are actually taken into captivity. First the, first the northern kingdom and then the southern kingdom are taken into act, uh, to captivity. And there, the rest of the scriptures you see, you see Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nahum, all the other books are all prophets. They're all prophets, and they're telling these people through these books of, of, of 2 Kings, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, you see them, that you see them pop up. We saw Daniel pop up in some of the books that we, t- we talked about. They're telling them, you need to repent, you need to repent, you need to repent, you need to repent. And then as the book close, closes out, there's a 400-year period of deadness. They, they go back to, some go back to the promised land, some doesn't. We saw that in, in the, in when they were building the wall and they were building the temple. They, they ended up going back. And so then there is a period but here, right here where, where that stops. There's a period of 400 years. And we don't, we don't really see anything. We don't hear anything at all. And then it's almost like the movie scene opens up and Rome is in charge. Rome is in charge. And suddenly, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John right here, we see this person called Jesus. Now, something amazing that happened was, was that all of these prophets... All of these prophets, especially Isaiah, all of these prophets that were trying to get them to repent, they continued to talk about this Messiah that would come, this Messiah, this Savior that would come. And so we open up the scene, and you've got Jesus on the scene, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell the story of Christ. And it tells the full story of how he came, he, he was the Messiah, and he died and he rose again. Then we go over to the book of Acts, all right? And the book of Acts is the story of how the church started. And then from that point, all the rest of the scriptures, the epistles, all the rest of the scriptures are letters to various people, to various churches, encouraging them and, and, and challenging them. They're all letters written by those that were followers of Jesus. And it tells the full story of redemption until finally you come to the end and you have the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation tells what's going to happen in the end. And it tells that we've already won. And that's the Bible. It's not mystical. It's not something that is, that is you know, is, is un, oh, I can't understand any of that. Well, I'm going to hopefully help you today understand some of it because it's not something that's mystical. It tells the full story. Now, that was a three to four minute rundown, but that's what the scripture's for. The next thing I want you to know is, is the Bible is meant to deepen our personal relationship with Jesus. That's what it's for. The Bible is supposed to deepen our personal relationship with Jesus. I want to tell you guys something. Whenever I, I will never forget, I was sitting in a friend's apartment. I had went to visit them, and I was sitting in their apartment, and I was playing guitar. All right, I was one of those, like, you know, 22-year-old weirdos. Oh, 23, oh, play guitar. You know, I'd play guitar. Thought I was cool. And uh, I was playing guitar. And in walked uh, these, two, these two girls. And the one that came in second was smoking hot. I was like, whoa, who's that girl? And um, I, I, she came over and we started talking. And she was like, oh, you play guitar? And I said, yeah, I sing. I said, oh, you do? Cool. And she did sing, sing really well. Uh, I kind of hid that I didn't, I didn't play the guitar very well. I was like, yeah, yeah I play guitar. Sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I had like three chords. But anyway, um, so, so but I really wanted to know everything about her. I want to know everything about her. I want to know everything. You guys think it was windy, but it wasn't. I'm kidding. It was windy. Of course it's windy. I'm not going to say a girl was smoking hot. You think I'm an idiot? Anyway, so, so um, uh, but, but it, it was my wife. 
eventually my wife. But let me tell you something, man. When I met her, I was like, and you know what? And I know all the guys can understand this. I wanted to know everything about her. I wanted to know everything about her. As a matter of fact, I want to tell you something. If there had been a book, no matter how thick it was, and the whole thing told the story of Wendy, man, I'd have read that sucker. I hate, I hated reading then. I would have read every word, man. I went, okay, let me see what happened. All right. And I would have done all of that. And every guy in here would have done the same exact thing. Every guy in here would have. Why? Well, because, man. I wanted to be with her. I wanted her to be part of my life. I wanted her to be part of my life. And I would have read and read. I would have done anything it took. And I want to tell you something. That's the same exact way we should be about, about our relationship with Jesus. Man, you should want to read everything you could. You got a book. You can read everything. You, you can do everything. You can figure out everything that you need to know about Christ through those through especially, listen, especially, oh, you, are, you move it, that's okay. Can you go back? Especially in this area, in this area of the New Testament, all right? This area of the New Testament. You can, you can know, you can know who Jesus is. You can know what he thinks. You can know what he felt. You can know everything about him. You can see his personality. You can see everything about him. It, under, it lets us understand Jesus' character. It lets us understand his will. I want you to see something in Proverbs 6. Let's bring that up, Lynn, if you could. Proverbs chapter 6. This is, a father, this is a father talking to a son, and it's a parallel between God and us. It said, my son, obey your father's command and don't neglect your mother's instructions. And then it says this, keep their words always in your heart, tie them around your neck. And then it goes and says, when you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. And so you see, you see what's happening here. Four, their command is a lamp and their instruction is a light. And I love this. Their corrective discipline is the way to what? Is the way to life. Before, we saw there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. This is saying the, the corrective instructions of the scriptures, it is a way that leads to what? It leads to life. It leads to life. I want you to be equipped. I want you to be equipped to be able to handle exactly what it is that God has for you. All right? I want you to start even today, this afternoon. My goal is, is for you to either pick up your Bible or go buy one. And I want you to say, I want to do this. I want to become who God wants me to be. I told you, your goal in life should always be this. It should be, you should want to become who God had in mind when he created you. That's what your goal should be in life, to become who God had in mind when he created you. And so here's some practical things that I want to tell you. All right, here's some practical things. He's going to show you a slideshow. The first question I always get asked is this, what Bible do you use? Okay, well, I'm going to show you what Bible I use. Do we have that up there, Lynn? That, there it is right there. Now, you can see, I don't know if you can read that. I'll read it for you, okay? So you have to choose. A, a, now, let me say that you have to choose a translation that works for you. Now, in the past, here's what I did. When I gave my life to Christ, they gave me a Bible. And I'm not making fun. I'm not at all. But the Bible they gave me, was it was, it was hard as a brick, and I opened it up, and it had a little film on the outside, like a reddish film. I never knew what that was for. But I opened it up, and it went... <laughs> And, it, and here's what it said. It said, it said, thou wast weigheth is if thiseth. And I was like, I am confuseth because I don't talk like that. I don't talk like that at all. That was what I had. It's amazing. Do you know that there are churches that are like hardcore? You have to be, let's read King James Version or, or, or you're not reading the right Bible. 
Let me tell you something. Baloney. That's baloney. That is is being a Pharisee. That's legalism. Run away from that. If anybody tells you that, run like the wind. Tell them to call me. I'll talk to them. Run away from that. There are, listen, there are versions of the Bible that will fit for you. I wanted to show you real quick. This, this, think of this like a diagram. All the way over to the far left here is the word for word. You have the New American Standard, all right, the English Standard, the King James Version, the New King James Version. Forever, for a long time uh, before the New Living Translation came out, the, the New King James Version is what Wendy used. She used the New King James Version of the Bible. And what this will do is it'll show you, it'll show you exactly where it came from. And then you have the Holman Christian Bible, the NIV Bible, God's Word Translation. I use the New Living Translation. So you have a continuum here. On the far left is word for word, and all the way over to here is thought for thought, okay? Thought for thought. Now, for me, I know myself, I need a New Living Translation because it's thought for thought. It's not a lot of difference, but it is a slight, a slight difference. You may think, well, I want word for word. Well, you may want word for word, and you may be able to understand those things, but you're going to have to do a lot more studying to do that. And if you haven't picked up your Bible in 15 years, chances are you're not going to go get a thick concordance and start doing, you know, seminary school, okay? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you learn God's Word. And so, New Living Translation is thought for thought. God's Word Translation is here, but it goes all the way over to New American Standard, okay? I wish I could, if I wasn't too old, I would I'd try to read that, but I can't. So, so uh, I'm, I have my glasses on, I can't even read it. So, but anyway, that's how the continuum works. You need to pick a translation of the Bible that works for you. Now, I want to tell you, I want to warn you about something. All the way over here to the left is a paraphrase. It's called the Message Bible. The Message Bible is a paraphrase. You can read that Bible for generalized reading. Just, you know, if you just want to read, you just read the message. And it'll say, like, cool words of today. It says some, you know, it'll do that. It's a complete paraphrase, though. All right. It did not take anything from the original translations and do that. It is a complete paraphrase. So you don't want to use the Message Bible to study with. You don't want to use the Message Bible. God can speak to anything, but you don't want to use that to study with. You, want, you can use it just for casual reading to get a general grasp of what he's talking about. But I love the New Living Translation. It's what I use, and it's what we use here. I like that one. But let me tell you something else I use. And I've told you this before. One, I have a red letter edition, all right? But two, the Bible I have and the Bible I give all of our students is, you'll see, the top half of this Bible, the top half, it has the text. The bottom half have notes. They have notes about the text, all right? Now, you remember the Bible I told you about that when I opened it up, it went, remember that one, you know? That Bible had none of that. I was left on my own just to read it. It didn't give me any background. It didn't give me anything. This Bible that I have is a study Bible. This Bible actually gives you the background of every bit of the, of the text and what it's talking about. It also, when you read the text and it says something, you can go down and read a note about that verse. And it'll, and it'll even say this. It'll say, hey, you know, this verse says this. Also, look at this verse. And there you go. You're off and running. It also has topical discussions. I give every teenager this Bible. Listen, you're going to spend 50 bucks on lunch today. Go spend 50 bucks, eat a bologna sandwich at home, and you spend 50 bucks and buy you a Bible. I mean, that's what you need to do. If you're serious about wanting to follow Jesus, if you're serious about a Jesus-centered life, it all starts right here. It doesn't start with you saying, okay, I'm going to do better, and I'm going to be better, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It starts with you being right here in the Scripture. That's where it starts with. And I know it's not always fun to do this, but there's some tools that I'm going to show you that's going to make it a little bit easier and a little bit more, more manageable for you. 
Here's some advice I got for you, some practical advice. And every one of these series is going to be practical. Understand it better. If you want to understand it better, here, focus on one book at a time. Do not do this. And you may think, well, gosh, I want to do that. Well, don't do it. Don't do it if you haven't been reading a while. Most of us go this. They go, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to start reading my Bible. And you turn to Genesis. And you have read the story of Adam and Eve 9,000 times. And you start reading it. And you get through chapter 11, and then all of a sudden it gets kind of good, and then all of a sudden you fade out about chapter 20. All right? And then that's it. And if you really do well, and if you really start rolling, man, that book of Leviticus just comes and punches you right in the throat. And you're like, I am out. And you never get to any of the good stuff. Here's what I tell you to do instead. Here's what I tell you to do instead. And it's one of the reasons why I like doing this. It's one of the reasons we went through Nehemiah and Ezra. Choose one book. Choose one book, all right? Choose one book, and when you choose that book, understand the time, place, setting, and who the author was. Just figure out who, what the time and place and setting was. If you start reading about Jesus, you would think that Jesus hated the church because you don't understand that there are people there that were Pharisees that were trying to make it difficult. Hey, listen, uh, if you guys want copies of, of this, if you want copies of this, we'll post it on our website, okay? You can go under the message, and it'll be posted on the website. You can download it right there. You can download we'll, everything we have. Lynn's making a note right now. Put everything on the website. Everything we have up here, we'll put it, we'll put it all on the website, and you can take it off that, okay? But here's what you need to do. Here, and here's the questions that I always tell you to ask about the Scriptures. You need to ask these three questions when you're reading the Scriptures. What does, the, what does this say about God? What does this say about God? What is it that this says about God? What does this, this verse say about God? What does this say about people? All right? What does this say about God? What does this say about people? And then what does this say about me? What is it that this says about me? What is God trying to say to me? See, you can do this, and God can do this for you. You can go like this. You can go. You know, it's so funny. I did that one time. This is so funny. This is off topic, but I did it. You know, you know how people go, man, I just opened up my Bible, and all of a sudden it was right there. I promise I did that one time, and it said, you should be circumcised. And I was like, <laughs> ow! Ow! I'm telling you. You can do that sometimes, but is that really how you want to live your life? Is that really how you want to live your life? Don't you want a deeper relationship with Jesus? Don't you want when your kids and grandkids, don't you, want, don't you want them to be, don't you want them to say, man, my grandma was faithful. My grandma, my, my. You know, one of the things that, that, that my son and my daughter will forever remember, forever, ever, and I'll remember it too, forever, ever, ever, ever remember about their grandmother, Wendy's mom. She was a prayer warrior and she had faith that could move mountains. And everything that came out of her mouth was about Christ. That's what they'll remember. Well, how do they remember that? Well, you know what she does? She found a Bible that she can understand. She goes one book at a time. She understands what's going on to understand the book. And then she, she asks those questions. And it's a daily thing. Taking time to read the Bible. This is the final thing I want to tell you. I have a screenshot that I hope it came up. I don't know how good this is going to be. Listen, can you guys see that? You see that right there? You know what that is? That's an app called the Holy Bible. It's done by a church called Life Church out of Oklahoma. It's an app. I have it on my phone. It's called the Bible app. They didn't get created with the name, but that's what it is. 
You can get that on your phone or on your iPad. You can even get it on your computer if you want it. The Bible app. You know what this app will do? You open up this app, and you, it'll pop up, and it'll say, do you want the daily reading today? What about plans? Maybe you're having problems with depression. Maybe you're saying, gosh, man, I'm really struggling to depress. You can go to this app, type in, under hit plans, type in depression, and they'll have 15 different reading plans with, with feedback and everything about that topic and will direct you right to the scriptures. You can also set up a year-long reading plan where you're reading through the whole Bible in a year. And it doesn't start in Genesis, it starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation. It kind of bounces all over and it flows to give you a little bit of a mix. There are literally thousands, there are enough plans on this Facebook, on this, on this app, so that you would never, you would never, every day, if you read it every day, you would never get finished with it. I'm telling you, there's thousands of them. Here's the kicker. You can set it up on your phone to send you a reminder to your forgetful, lazy butt. It, you, it will send you a reminder. It's doing everything but feeding you, this app is. It will do everything for you, everything. And it pops up, and you read it. Now, I want to tell you one more thing. I love apps, and I've told you this before, and I know you guys are sick of me saying it. I love apps, and this app, I use it every day. I love it. But I'm going to tell you what. There's nothing like, use the app. Pull, I, what I do is I pull it up, and I go to my own Bible, my actual Bible. I know this is foreign, my actual Bible. And I read it, what it says, and I take notes, and I remember it. This thing right here, I want, this thing is, in the end, when I die, I want this thing, I want my kids to be able to see this and see the roadmap that I took to live. And they can't do that if my iPad crashes. Are you with me? It's something tangible. This Bible is going to mean a lot to them someday. It is. You will be amazed at the doors that God will unlock if you decide that you want to be equipped. You want to be equipped to live a Jesus-centered life. You'll be amazed when you're driving, when you're driving down, when you're driving down the road and somebody ticks you off. And man, I promise you, that morning you read about your anger. That morning and you'll go, eh, I'm not going to do that. And every time you make that decision, God sees and he brings Jesus just a little further to the center. Just a little further to the center. And that's who he wants us to be. It is. That's who he wants us to be. And that's who he calls us to be. We are going to be going through various disciplines and various things of the faith to help you live a Jesus-centered life. And it starts, it starts with the scriptures. It starts with the Bible. And I want to challenge you today. If you don't have a Bible with notes in it, it's called a, it's called a New Living Translation, the New Living Translation Study Bible. Life Application Bible, they have them. If you don't have, and listen, if, if you have a relative I have relatives that are like, man, you King James only. All right, well, you live your life, bro, and I'm going to live mine, okay? You need to, you need to do, because I'm going to tell you something. The devil, the, don't be surprised, don't be confused that the devil won't use Scripture and people 
to try to throw you off that are supposed to be holy because he will. He totally will. Get you a Bible. Go today. And listen, I know some of you guys are on a budget. Don't chance on your Bible. Don't get one of those hard books that, you know, it all crack. And get you a leather Bible. They're 50 bucks. They're 50 bucks. And listen, if you need one and you can't afford one, you see me after the service and we'll get you one. We'll do that. We will get you one. Make sure you make it a priority. You can come all day. You can do all the other things. But if you're not engaged with the scripture, you're missing out on the best part. You're missing out on the most important part. You've been eating icing the whole time and not the cake itself. And you need the cake. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that you want us to be equipped. Thank you for the fact that you desire for us to live a life that's holy. Lord, I want to ask you, Lord, to be with us today. I want to ask you to um, just, my goal, Lord, is to listen to you and, and for um, our people here to fully engage in what you were doing in their life. That's what we want. That's what we want. So, God, I ask you to do that today. I ask you to um, just um, within their own spirit that you would challenge them. I can't always do it, but you can challenge them to draw close to you. And the scripture says that if they'll do that, that you'll draw close to them. Lord, as they do that, I pray that you will bless their lives. I pray that you will bless their families. I pray that you will show them the fruit that comes from being a follower, a true follower of Jesus Christ. And as they do that, Lord, I pray that they will tell everyone, yep, I've changed a lot, but the change has more to do with Jesus than it does me. Lord, we love you and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song. Let's stand up today. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.